Oh, man, it is finally here. Friday, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know about you, but it has been an absolutely long week of incredible geek news, and I come here bearing gifts. But before we talk about how Santa came a little bit early today, hello, nerds! Welcome to Geek Beast, part of the Geekers Network. This is your daily rundown of geek news from geeks like me, geeks like you, and geeks like my amazing guests that we have here with us this evening, Evelyn. Hello! Hey! What's up, girl? Hello, Yo, let your geek flag fly right quick. Yo, tell the people who you are. Uh, my name is Evelyn. Online, you can find me as Sleepy Eve on most uh, social channels. And uh, you may or may not have heard my voice in random-ass games like Magic the Gathering Battlegrounds or uh, Kuan or... Uh, let me see what else have I done. Uh, I, Puyo Pop Fever. I've been in like a bunch of games over the past several years. I've done some voiceover work for a couple of uh, phone services here and there. I do all kinds of random stuff. So, you know, hey. I've been around. Um, and yeah, I'm based in the Bay Area. I am a theater actor. I do photography. And then I also work at a really, really amazing nonprofit here in Northern California called Family Giving Tree. So... I'm everywhere. All well, you know, I already, I already know you can't just talk about this amazing nonprofit called Family Giving no. Tree and not give us the lowdown. I want to know what's the scoop. I just needed you to kind of open that door for me. So, what we did, <laughs> yeah, I need the permission. So I'm a guest, you know. Um, so, Family Giving Tree. What we do is uh, we provide backpack backpacks and uh, school supplies for students in the Bay Area during uh, the summer, going into the fall of uh, the school year, um, and then during the holidays, we do holiday gifts for. Um, children, adults, and seniors who are um, financially struggling in the Bay Area. So um, really those who really just need a little bit of extra joy and support in the community, that's what we're mm -hmm. here for. So we just gave out our two millionth uh, donation this past December. So Merry wow. Christmas to everyone. Um, and it's been a lot of work and it's exhausting, but it's just one of the most rewarding things ever. So if you ever get a chance to Join us for any of our online events, um, doing our fundraisers. You know, we are here. We are available. You can talk to me. Oh, oh, I love that family giving tree, everybody. We will make sure that we put the, the appropriate ways to get in contact with them via love their it. website. Yes. They have, they have a website. Okay. Yeah. So we will make sure. Um, hey, so you said something I have a ton of interest in. We have yes. so many just talented people that that bless our bless our network and that is like the voice acting let me do you have like a dream job voice acting gig that you would like or even somebody that you've created out of the ether that you would like to <laughs> breathe into life oh that's a hard one you know like i feel like um i feel like one of my one of my all-time favorite characters that i had ever voiced was for the game that i mentioned earlier called Poya pop fever and it was for, it was a character named Amity. And she was like this cute, bubbly little girl who would encourage you to pop your bubbles. And it was just the most fun. And there was just so much energy in it. And if I could be cast as Amity again for the future games, uh -huh. I, would, I would be okay with that. Oh, yeah. yo, you got me a little bit with the chills. Yeah. I was like, yo, she's in her zone. I heard her <laughs> voice and it sounded great. That was, that was awesome. Oh my gosh. You know what? Like, okay, listen, I, we have been talking briefly on and on about possibly, you know, doing some Dungeons and Dragons yes. and, you know, some of the things that's a lot of fun. One of the parts that's a lot of fun 
is really embodying the character while, while you're playing it. <laughs> um, yo, I, yeah, you you got to be a part of my party because I, ah! I, I got to hear how you get down. Yeah, that's got, that sounds like going to be tons of fun. I got to know, though, like, what is your character? What do you do? Oh, I'm a monk. I, I, I got to get these hands, these hands. Yo, yeah. Nice. So um, nice. uh, I've had, we've had a couple of ongoing ones. Yeah. Um, how about you? Who, who, who are you rocking with? So uh, I, I'm currently playing in two different games. Uh, one character I'm doing is a rogue. So uh, I'm a tiny little two and a half foot tall rogue. Um, speaks with a little Irish accent here and there and loves to steal a lot. So <laughs> it's fun. I love it. I love it. I love swiping from anyone and everyone during the party, uh, you know, adventures. And then the uh, the other character that I play, I got to actually customize. So uh, mm. I'm a snake spirit. It was okay. actually, it's actually based off of uh, a story called The White Snake. I don't know if you're familiar with it. There's a show on okay. Netflix called The Green Snake. Um, which is tied to that story. And uh, I actually played the character of Green Snake on a stage show a couple years ago here in the Bay Area. And so I turned that into a D&D character and my DM is all for it. So I've been, oh. I've been running with it. It's been good. Yo, yo, you hear that voice in the sky? We have our voice <laughs> in the sky that may be bopping in from time to time. Yo, one of our co-producers, Rodney, he's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, you have to earn the right to see his face, but just... Like Morgan Freeman, it's all about the voice, ladies and gentlemen. He'll be what are you, here from time to what time. Are you, what are you talking about? What, what kind of voice? What, what are you saying? Ah, <laughs> oh, look, look, look. We got, some, we got some people in chat saying uh, there's a little snake emoji in chat from Lon Lopez. Hey. Christian Pizzeri, Ronnie, uh, Greenie says Greenie. I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> that was my character name. Ah, nice. Happy Friday to everybody. Thank you so much for coming in. Hey, man, you know, I like to... I had a character named Dakul. He was, he was a dark elf monk from time to time. He would come in, have some occasional herbs, and put hands on people from time to time. Oh, I can't wait. Love it. You get me all fired up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, love I love it. I love it. Dark elf. I love the dark elf choice. I like. Uh, fun. Yeah, totally. Right. I, I, uh, so my husband is actually in the chat that, that was christian his last name is pizzerani <laughs> yeah welcome <laughs> welcome hubby you're you're getting brownie points for this um but he recently um jumped back into skyrim again and he had me help him create his character i made him do a dark elf so yes yes yep oh, and he's see, that's a beautiful thing yeah. Oh, man, you know what? We've had so much fun over here getting all these introductions. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, hey, if you're new to the show, we cover the Geek News Beat and we share our opinions with you. But fortunately, Fridays, our, our news beat is a little more lax. We kind of kick back. We typically call this our Friday happy hour so we can just kind of like shake some of the week off. Uh, you don't have to bring uh, a beverage that may be adult. You can bring in something that's that just, you know, wets your whistle perfectly. And he that wants to hate on Jason Momoa for the obvious reason that like he's just ridiculously handsome. But the brother's got charisma, too. Hey, he commands you can screen. aspire to be him. It's okay. <laughs> oh! Oh, that's no problem. Okay. We'll go back to the top of the headline. <laughs> we were wondering where it was. I was like, yo, where is the voice in the sky? Well, now that you're back and you probably <laughs> need a moment to uh, to kind of like shake it off. I mean, you can shake it off with a drink in your hand. Are you sipping on anything this, this happy hour? Too much, maybe. 
<laughs> See, that's what happened. You know, you got to slow down. We're just getting started. <laughs> no, I was saying to, to some of our fans earlier that I think one of the greatest franchises in the last 20 years is the Fast and the Furious franchise. Now, hold on, hold on. Before you start trying to throw banana peels and watermelon rinds at me, I like it because it's overly ridiculous. It knows what it is and it, and it delivers. But there's been a new member that's been added to Toretto's team, and it is none other than Aquaman himself, Jason Momoa. So how are we, how are we feeling about that? We're feeling really good. <laughs> feeling good. <laughs> now, listen, I, I was saying earlier before, before we were run off the road uh, with, our, with our stream, um, I'm, I want to hate on Jason Momoa. I do, because for the obvious hater reasons, because he's far <laughs> more handsome than I am. But he's got charisma that's just out of this world, and he commands the screen. And I even have to take him seriously after his performance on Doom. So, I mean, right? it's, my, it's my hate. You know, is it... Can you forgive me for my hate? Is it... Just aspire. Aspire to be like him. <laughs> you know? Give the guy a shot. Uh, yeah. Just look uh, into his eyes. You'll understand. <laughs> hey, for, for, all, for all the single ladies out there as well, he has just recently separated from, from his, his wife. I think he's currently on the market. There's, golly, it's a really good way to get your name back out there and kind of like get back on the horse and to jump on one of the, one of the biggest money-making franchises in cinematic history, being, being the Fast and the Furious. Um, but let's, let's, you know, go over here revering this man. Let's talk about kind of his misses. Yo, like, did you watch, did you watch C? Is anybody, did anybody in the chat watch C? Anybody here? Did you watch C? No, he did not get to no, see No, see, look. I think he's got like a, a Frontier show on Netflix too. I think that's what it is. It's something with him, you know, being stoic and burly. I can't <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You aspire. You aspire to be like him. Uh, he's so Come good. On. He's he's so good. No, I I think it'll be um I think it'll be a good a good idea. Does, can he fill the shoes of the Rock? Because that's that's the real question here, right? You know, you're gonna the, the Rock has pretty much thumbed his nose at the franchise. He's like, I'm never coming back. You guys are jerks to me. So they went and found another really big star. Is that gonna measure? I would say he brings a different energy. I would say be open-minded about it, right? Set your expectations where you should for a Fast and Furious, right? Um, <laughs> Are there expectations yeah, for a Fast and Furious? Right. right. That's my point. That's my point. Um, just enjoy the eye candy for what it's what it is. I guess is what I can say about that. Um, I mean, at the very least, I have to imagine his recruitment was not as awkward as trying to get the rock back on board i don't know if you right. remember that that was weird yeah. the yeah, instagram post but uh <laughs> maybe it'll be a fresh start you know like remove the drama have a good have a good f10 with the new new fresh blood i don't know yeah yeah there we go yo yeah. big shout out to the chat yo defunct 12 he's always popping in here because he is family he is a part of our casting crew. He's the one that comes up with these amazing news headlines. Big, huge shout out to you, fam. Uh, and we miss you, man. Can't wait till you get back here. So he's saying, um, will this, he said, will this get Summer onto the Fast and the Furious fandom trailer? Summer is a, one of our other co-hosts and, you know, she is a, a Jason Momoa fan and hey. I am absolutely certain. Who would you prefer, Momoa or The Rock? 
I mean, visually speaking. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take either. I mean, you know, that's horrible. I'm totally objectifying them and I shouldn't, but you know. Yeah, it's okay. That's, I mean, they, they walk around with their chest out. I mean, working out all day long to be absolute gods as they as they bless our, our cinematic screens. I mean, it's, it's okay. They, they, they're, they're not just... working their way up to getting an Oscar. I get it. So that's fine. Speaking yeah. of that, if you had to cast either one of them, into a seriously dramatic movie that needs range. Are you Ooh. picking The Rock or are you picking Jason Momoa? Ooh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Dwayne. I gotta yeah. pick The Rock. I uh, feel like I'm he's got bigger that. chops. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, like acting chops. Like I think he's deeper yeah. than you know. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Um. I would go with The Rock only because I think he's going to be running for president in like another ten more years. And I would oh, want yeah. him to, I would like to, to put, to say that my film was the one that kind of like spurred his journey into jumping into the White House. Um, I mean, he's, he's just too good. Like, did you see like his responses? Like there, okay, so there was a scandal, an internet scandal with Elmo and, and a rock that he had beef with because <laughs> yeah. a rock named Rocco was eating his cookies and he was a pet rock. And the rock in the rock fashion, I'm talking about like, uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, you know, was like, you know, I don't have any beef with rocks. I love cookies. You know, I like cookies of all kind. And like, this dude just knows how to hit the sweet spot every yeah. single time. You, you can't really, you can't really box him into a corner. No. Mm. No. Uh, well. He's smart. He's deep. He's got a lot of dimension to him. So I would totally, <laughs> I, I would definitely pick him. All right. Well, we're still talking about, you know, uh, objectifying big burly man. Yo, He-Man, yeah, Masters know. of the Universe. <laughs> what have Listen. I done? <laughs> <laughs> this is not where I wanted to be. <laughs> oh, yo, okay. So, so Masters of the Universe has set Kyle Allen as He-Man as the movie moves to a, for, to a Netflix deadline for a live action series. All right, so um, this could be taken a couple of different ways. Well, let's first, let's, let's talk about the history. Were you a He-Man fan ever, like the old 80s? Oh, yeah. He-Man. He-Man okay. and She-Ra came hand in hand for me. Yep. Okay. I used to watch yeah. the original series. Did you get a chance to see the remade, the current remade renditions? There were some other ones that were made in like the early 2000s. And then there was one that Kevin Smith, who is in many circles noted as a Greek god, I mean, as a geek <laughs> god in many circles. Um, some people felt, you know, that he did a decent job. Other people felt that he kind of like turned his back on the source material. Like it's really real source material. They're selling toys. Come on, <laughs> let's be for real. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's like Valentine's Day with chocolate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that one didn't really do so well. And then they had another one that, that, that did okay. It, it, is this destined to kind of fail again? A live action He-Man? Well, uh, you know, the one thing I can say for it is it's at, at least a movie, right? Instead of, mm -hmm. say, a series. So um, you know, I was thinking back to She-Ra, because again, I used to watch them kind of, you know, together. And She-Ra is actually being made into a live action series through Amazon. Mm. So she gets an entire season, at least, of working out a story. This, if it tanks, it's only an hour and a half, two hours. Eh, sure. Right? Yeah, I'm, right? With, you. I'm yeah. with you. I don't know. I mean, I hold out hope that it'll be good. I feel like most things on Netflix that have come out have been pretty decent quality, so. Very true. Very yeah. true. Yeah. I, I do remember their last tip of a live action with Dolph Ludren 
I can barely remember it. I was a little kid when it happened, but I do remember the dry heaves crystal clear after coming out of that theater. Uh, it was, I think I think it was the film that literally broke Dolph Lundgren's career too, career because he was on a high note after high note after Rocky Four. Yeah. He did Masters of the Universe, and things just kind of weren't the same anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you said something. Netflix is dropping it, so it's almost like a switch. It's like a layup. Yeah. You have the right support team in place. You could potentially do something that's worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. So you, and of course, bitch. all the toys. All the toys. Yeah, there we go. You know, there's another good thing about watching like a lot of this animated stuff uh, now as compared to some of the stuff that we watched when we were in the 80s. I'm only speaking on, on behalf of myself because I was a child of the 80s. Um, all of it. Okay. All right. I didn't want to assume <laughs> and didn't want to put you out there. <laughs> okay. I know I am um, well, but... yes yes um the thing that now at least we get like actual story regarding some of these some of the the animated series series that are out here and they're not just really trying to like force cereal down our throat and make us buy buy toys so i do feel a little bit more grown up um but speaking (laughs) of grown up in animation we're we're going off the reservation just a little bit uh Geek and Sundry, i believe was the name of the company that came out with a project called critical role Mm-hmm. All right. In Critical Role, we're doing uh, live action tabletop gaming that really did a, was actually, golly, the front runner of live streaming D&D games. Right. Yeah. Uh, they have come out with an animated series from the funding of the success that they've done called The Adventure, you know, The Legend of Vox Machina. I think that's mm-hmm. the name of it. Um, first off, uh, since we know that you are a D&D fan and connoisseur, mm-hmm. were you a fan of Critical Role? You know, I listened to uh, the second version. So I didn't listen to Vox Machina, um, mm-hmm. but I, I had started to listen to the, the other one after, and I didn't actually finish it because it was so freaking long. And then, mm. <laughs> But it was at a time where I was like trying to remember what the rules were, so listening to it really helped me like kind of cement how I was going to like play my rogue character and steal and do all these fun things and so i got a lot of inspiration from them so Mm -hmm. i have to credit them for a lot of like you know my creative ideas that i kind of take on when i'm playing in a campaign oh nice nice let me ask you a question so i'm 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 a huge fan i'm I'm a huge fan of hip-hop and there and there became there came a time when hip-hop was for a very small group of people very and and didn't didn't really spread right and Mm -hmm. then it hit like superstar when like run dmc hit the scene and now it's like a, a global phenomenon and it's maintained that for like the past like 40 years, right? So Dungeons and Dragons was a very niche type of type of game for us, the, the one we grew up with. Uh, Critical Role has is like the MC hammer of Dungeons and Dragons right now. Like it, they're totally just all selling Pepsi and everything and making tons of money, like insane amounts of money through, through some of their channels. And mm-hmm. now it has become common, commonplace. It's like a part of pop culture. Do you feel that it may have kind of sold out a little bit? No, not at all. You know what I th- you know what I think is really cool about this? And you know, one thing I also wanted to point out was Stranger Things probably helped with a lot of the exposure to making D D cool too, because those kids yes. were all about Dungeons and Dragons, right? And Stranger Things is way, way out there. Um, super popular. So, but I feel like if you've got something good, share it, you know, like, why not get more people interested in it? And who cares if people want to like, 
play it their own way or whatever. It's just that mm -hmm. idea of like this old classic game can kind of have new life. I don't mm -hmm. know. It's just kind of neat. It's neat, you know? Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I'm glad you said that because here at the Geekish Network, we we are not fans of gatekeeping. You know, it's just every, everybody, there, there's room for everybody. There's space for everybody. And you don't have to like pay a form of geek reparations uh, yeah. to, to be a part of our space. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, but there is a small part of me that's like, oh, I do remember when it was mine. <laughs> sure, sure. It, it felt a little more special. I get it. And then people like me came on board and were like, what? What is this cool thing? Okay. <laughs> Oh, so, yeah, uh, Trey, what, what are you drinking? Well, this is happy I, hour, right? So yes, I, I decided to drink, you know, while we uh, toast to, to our, our lovely guest host, yes. to Evelyn, to, to, so to, to all the geeks out there. All right. So drink up. And then wait, you guys wait, in chat, wait. drink up. Wait, what are your drinks? Oh, oh. That's some red wine. So. Oh my gosh, you're so posh. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, I had to. I know. I know. I know. It's nice. We had to. It's not yet. We had. Uh, I know. We. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Not that I. Ha not that I have to, but I am going to explain. I used to. Lo I used to lo love love beer, craft beer specifically. I used to drink a lot, but like lately, for whatever reason, it just really gets to me in different ways. So now I'm just like, I, I really have it's come, I've really come to love wine, you know, especially really yep. red wine. So there you go. But cheers. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Cheers. Just, yeah, yeah, no judgment. Posh is perfectly fine. <laughs> I think you should embrace your pos poshness. It's okay. Yeah, but Critical it. Role, speaking of Critical, we were talking about this a little bit in the pre-show. Um, critical Role, then the Twitch leak that people may or may not be aware of. Uh, a few months back, Twitch got the whole site got hacked. <laughs> it basically got uploaded to um, to 4chan and the torrents and basically all the source code, everything, payments, everything was leaked. And but one of the most interesting things out of that was that um, they released all the earnings for like a two year span. And lo and behold, Critical Role was number one out of the whole site by like a lot. Like it wasn't even like, okay, number one and two were close. It was like a million. It was, it was a crazy amount of gap between one and two. But Critical Role was number one. They made, and this is just Twitch subs and bits and, and ad, ad revenue. Right. They made nine million dollars in that two years, uh, two year span. So I missed my calling. Yeah, so I'm like when I saw that, I'm like, yo, right. Chuck, Trey, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta like up the timeline on our, uh, our D and D streams. We gotta, we, <laughs> we gotta get going. But yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it for over a year. You know, so it had nothing to do with it more than anything. It was more of a joke, but it was just very eye eyebrow raising, right? Because you're just like, holy shit, I knew they were popular, but not that popular. Nobody mm -hmm. saw that coming, man. No, nobody. Like, you would have figured, you know, somebody like, like, I think her name is Pokemon. I think, I think Pokemon, I think that's her name. 
you'd figure that her or maybe one of the other um one of the Fortnite streamers would have been like, you know, the king. And 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 when you really think about it, it's like that's just streaming revenue from their ads. We're not even talking about some of the other stuff that they've been like selling through links on the side. So and more than likely yeah. it's probably doubled that amount. Oh, totally. Yeah, because yeah. and then it was really interesting too, because and obviously I follow this quite a bit because, you know, this is the the world and the business that we're in right and so i i follow really closely and so a lot of the streamers were at first they were like oh shit all my earnings got released but then they just ran with it right <laughs> they ran with it It was right around the same time squid game came out oh. so they were literally saying like oh i'm number like they were looking at their number on the list <laughs> and they were saying like oh number 45 checking in right <laughs> and they were doing it and they just they're just like you know and then what happened was it became this really um very very interesting discussion about what you just said trey about like how much people were making off of streaming and people were the streamers were really forthright because they're like well well fuck my numbers are out there i'm just gonna tell it and they just said look this is probably a third of what we make they were saying most of our money comes from sponsorships you know and then they and then you, you count in donos donations right through through paypal but then but even then it's like you don't even know if like that was a full count of like what they earned or like what they got and then you don't know what twitch's cut was right because twitch's cut is you know for like affiliates i think it's like you get hardly anything you know twitch is like 50 but like with partners i think they get seven some of them get 70 30 and like 30 goes but like so yeah so streaming streaming and these streamers they're they're making way more than the so, so going back to critical role oh i'm sure they're making they made more than nine million dollars nine million <laughs> is just what they got from twitch right yeah yeah. And then you throw all of the eggs in one basket, and then your basket goes away. Yeah. And then that that that's what happens with your company. Yeah, that 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 is a very real risk. But yeah. but also to to, to critical roles, um, uh, forward thinking when they created their their uh, animated series that they have released on Amazon. And if you have Amazon Prime, I believe you get it for free. Um, the I believe out of the twelve episodes, the first ten they paid through through crowd crowdfunding, crowdsource funding. Um, so that's saying something about the the loyalty of the audience. Oh yeah, you know, the fandom not, is huge. Right, right. It's it's really big, and they're not a, and they're not afraid to spend money. Mm -hmm. And then the last two episodes, I think they they came out of their own pocket with it. Um, has has anybody here or even in the chat watched the first episode of the Legend of Vox Machina? Okay. Yeah, it's um, it's good. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I was. Mm -hmm. I was surprised. I did watch it this morning. It was. It was good. Um, hold on. Let me do do some quick uh, chat shout outs. Uh, shout out to Vivek. Yo, thank you for for bopping in. Uh, Vivek said a critical role can be considered as a story being told through the medium of D and D. Now, mm -hmm. I wasn't a full blown critical role uh, fan. I I've watched just a couple of episodes. Uh, but from my understanding is that this is based off of one of their very first campaigns. So that that is kind of like um uh the 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 storyline for it uh sorry i had a, I had a moment of my wheel spun out ahead of my head um do you think that um we're gonna get like more more spinoffs as a result of this show like what do you see for the future of tabletop gaming in general not just dungeons and dragons but tabletop gaming in general now that we're making like these bigger leaps and leaps as 
yeah, card-based gaming jumping up on the scene too, uh, other board games. Like, is it is it here to stay or is this just a fad? I think it's here to stay. I mean, I kind of, I hope it's here to stay because I'm a huge mm-hmm. board gamer, like tabletop gamer in general. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have all of my games like cataloged on Board Game Geek and I've got like over a mm-hmm. hundred and I don't know how many games. The, mm-hmm. I'm proud of it. But, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like it's... um especially during the pandemic and especially if you're not like living alone, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a really good activity to kind of bring back to the quote unquote table um, mm-hmm. to kind of bond over. And, you know, it's just a different way to relate to people. And it's really a great way to get kids to like think critically. Like that's, mm-hmm. a, I feel like it's such a huge problem now these days where kids are just kind of handed things and told things and no one's like kind of forced to, to really like apply their brain power, but, there are so many games out there that are just so brilliant and really make you get creative with your decisions. And I think that that's just such an important way for you to be able to kind of learn and to bond with one another. Like mm. I just, I, game nights are the cool thing to do, I think these days. And I, I mm. really, really hope they stay because I really enjoy what are, it. What are some of your favorites other than D and D? What are some of the ones you guys play Trey and, uh, and sorry, uh, Sintel and, uh, and Evelyn. That was all good. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still really old school when I was in, when I was in college. Just regular card games is really big. I know that doesn't really count as tabletop gaming. Yeah, it's not a tabletop. Um, yeah. So you know everything from from gin to to spades to poker. I love poker. I love, I love all types of card games. But when it comes to like adventure type games, I I still have like the full blown box set of of oh my gosh the um oh oh my gosh uh, the Game of Thrones game um which is really absolutely so good i want to learn citizens of Catan, so if any of y'all would like to teach me i want to jump on board with that uh and then and then just different variations of role-playing games as well um outside of just uh uh dungeons and dragons itself um so yeah you know i'm, I'm down to play anything how about you all so uh so we have a group of friends uh that we play gloomhaven with we were playing it mm. religious, religiously like every single week um get like just getting through dungeons killing off monsters you know developing mm. our characters and whatever um right. so it's kind of like D, but without all the role playing you're just like slashing and you know killing your way through scenarios okay. um but like i really really enjoy m- most of the strategy games that come out of like stonemeyer so jamie stegmeyer mm. designs some really really great um gameplay in his game so like wingspan is one that i really really enjoy let me get um, a notepad but, <laughs> hey i want to email you a list of games that i would recommend but please like, do yeah <laughs> everdell is a beautiful one it's cute it's got mm. little critters from the forest like and then, just, you know speaking yeah. of the pandemic like how were you able to do these like were there online versions of some of these games or were we able to do they have online, yeah. So they have online versions of most of these games. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jamie Stegmaier actually designed a game meant for the pandemic during the pandemic, and it and mm-hmm. they recently released it as an actual tabletop board game. Recently, uh, it's called Rolling Realms. I haven't played it. I haven't tried it, but it was originally done so that everybody could just play online and mm-hmm. like print out their own little sheet and score scorecard. And it, it is not a simple like you know, roll the dice kind of game. It is complex and you did a really, really good job with it based on what I've seen. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can talk board games all day. So. <laughs> no, no. Hey, hey, I, I, I need to level up my, my, my board gaming. Uh, Cause it's that. tough. I have your email now. So I'm going to be. <laughs> Please do. All these recommendations. 
Absolutely. All right, let, let, me, let me ask no, you just a critical, a critical we, we, thought we, question yeah, regarding it. No worries. We, 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 you know, that's why we were asking. We just, we love th- that kind of talk, you know, just like hearing about it. And yeah, you definitely want to do more of it, you know, personally and then also on the channel. So mm-hmm. let, me, let me just ask you a question. Um, the mainstream infiltration of, of tabletop gaming and Dungeons and Dragons, is it as successful had the pandemic not been around? Ooh. That's a hard question because I feel like we've been living in the pandemic for 10 years. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm so exhausted. Does it not feel I'm that so way? Exhausted. I don't know. It feels just, that way to me. I just want to get off this ride, please. <laughs> <I'd>, <laughs> sorry, you're stuck for life. Um, we're on year three in case you didn't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, you know, I don't know. It's tough to say. Um, I kind of want to say that it was kind of, it was on the rise before the pandemic at least in my little bubble in my world it was um again because of things like stranger things that kind of surfaces that that kind of world out with you know the greater audience right um that people kind of latch on to those little things when they catch it in the media and so it probably was on a rise but maybe wouldn't have been as rapid had it not been for the Mm -hmm. pandemic i don't know okay all right um, we have seen some some pandemic influenced style gaming, and one of the game of the years that we watched during the video game awards was it's take was it takes two, which is more or less a couch co op uh, type of game, you know. And couch co op uh, gaming was one of those things that was kind of like going out to pasture, you know. It was it was a dying thing as everybody was connecting kind of like online. So regarding gaming, video game, and television watching in general content in general um what silver linings did you bring out of the pandemic people were forced to get really creative um i can tell you from like the theater side of the industry that when you cannot have a live audience and you can't have actors together and you can't perform and rehearse live but you have a theater company you have to try to figure out how to keep afloat you get creative and so Mm. People really forced themselves into learning technology as fast as they could. I want to say that the the tech technology companies like really stepped up their game in terms of like what they were offering to the public, what they were making more accessible to the public, right? Yeah. Um, so I feel like there were a lot of actually a lot of silver linings that came out of it because it forced people to be uncomfortable and figure out how to adapt. Mm. Forced people to be uncomfortable. I like yeah. that. I like that. When you're uncomfortable, you you make you make moves happen. Yes. You, know, you make you you make it work. You you, you, get how you very, grow. Very creative. Um, yo, I just want to give a, a quick ha- a hat tip and a nod to the chat. Thank you so much. If you have any questions for us, uh, please make sure you just drop it in the chat, and we will try to get to them as quick as we can. Huge shout out to the funk, yo. He said he is uh, sipping on a bottle of Florida's finest spring water. <laughs> Ooh, also very posh. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Are you drinking your spring water with your pinky finger in the right? air? Yo, the funk. Then, then he comes back and he says, "All right, went to the fridge and got a peach mango." Uh, Angry Orchard. Well, welcome to the party. <laughs> well, welcome. You were you were a good guy for all of five minutes. <laughs> peach mango is not a bad choice so <laughs> uh christian thank you again for for popping into the chat uh he was referring to your uh massive game selection by saying it is a lot of games and he did give a shout out to overcooked which is another 
absolutely incredible couch co-op game. And it's, and it's really good online as well. Not as fun as couch co-op, but uh, have you ever played that one? Are you, are you familiar with Overcooked? Very familiar, and it is the stuff that breaks relationships. Yes! That's why I love the game! It's like, <laughs> it's, it is as dangerous as Mario Kart. Like, you have to draw lines in the sand if somebody's not doing what they need to do. <laughs> it's like, it was chicken you were supposed to be cooking! Why did you mess it up? You had one roll to do. Get the plate! Get the plate! Like, it's like, gonna kill someone. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and in our household, like if you keep messing up, you're, you're automatically like on dish duty. You have to do the dishes. It's like the absolute worst gig that you can get where everybody else is cooking. I love overcooked. <laughs> so dangerous. So dangerous. <laughs> uh, huge shout out to the funk again. He said, I wonder if Riverdale's D&D arc years ago, pre-pandemic, managed to get his audience into gaming themselves. Okay, you know, what's funny is... I want to say Riverdale brought in D&D and didn't actually call it D&D, right? They had like, mm-hmm. it was the general premise of role-playing and whatnot. Right. Um, I actually don't know. First of all, I totally outed myself by w- kind of admitting that I had watched Riverdale. Riverdale. Um, yeah, yeah, I wasn't going to say that. And I was well, like, uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong. You like what you want. Listen, listen, I, I ended it at some point. I stopped the relationship <laughs> at some point. I did. I swear I did. But, um, I mean, I like the general idea that they brought to the table of like, you know, the role playing and whatever and how it's dangerous. Right. And um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they like people made that direct tie in. They probably did. I got to mm. give people more credit for for kind of making that connection. Right. Like, mm. I don't know. It was it was different. I feel like I feel like directly calling out a brand like D&D in a show like Stranger Things just like puts it right out there. They right. didn't quite do that with Riverdale. So. You know what? I got one that's even earlier than that and might have been very influential to help get the ball moving. There was a little show called Community. Back ah! in and they had a D&D episode. It's probably, mm-hmm. arguably, one of, uh, one of their best episodes. It's got it's to be one of their top, one of their top five episodes. Um, and it definitely opened up the doors to a lot of people who were clueless about, about Dungeons & Dragons and then watching, watching that, that crew go through their their dnd um um romp was just was was tons of fun did you see it yes uh i gotta give community credit for doing such a phenomenal job like genre hopping like they've done they did so many of those it was just (laughs) yeah they mastered it it was good it was good oh such a brilliant show such a brilliant Mm -hmm. show well four out of the six seasons no seven thirty seven four out of seven yeah yeah, when they, when they switch directors and writers, but we're not going to get into the we're getting into the weeds. We're not we're not going to go go too far into that. Um, <laughs> uh, yo, yo, my man in the sky said uh, that's a good point, Defunk. But definitely think it was Stranger Things that really brought a lot of the attention. Uh, Defunk, yeah, no, Riverdale used a legally distinct name mm-hmm. rather than D and D proper. Yeah. So you know, you know, it's 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 in the details. All of that is in the details. I think the demographic of people that were watching Riverdale versus what people watching Stranger Things was also different because I feel like Stranger Things hit a broader audience. Mm-hmm. So it was it was hitting like, you know, kids who were probably not supposed to be watching Stranger Things, but were <laughs> um, as well as like the older folks. Right. And I feel like Riverdale yeah. was not that kind of a show. It didn't have that big of an audience. Yeah. Um, hey, we're we going to change gears and hop back into a hot bit of news just for a second because i am curious how you're thinking um regarding guardians and of excuse me regarding guardians of the galaxy james gunn has been very very busy 
Um, he just got done doing the Suicide Squad. You know, I have to make sure to emphasize the, because there is a distinct difference between Suicide Squads. Uh, yeah. It was hate. It was a hate-love kind of relationship, more, more love than hate. And then he had his spinoff with, with uh, Peacemaker, which is surprisingly very good for a very obscure character. Uh, he, he has said, uh, according to Polygon, that uh, this would be the last time people saw this group of characters together as the Guardians of the Galaxy, saying that this is the end for us. This is the last time people will see the team of Guardians of the Galaxy. Is this bittersweet or a long time coming? Mm. Meant as a trilogy, I get it, but it's still sad to say goodbye. Yeah, it is. Okay, so here's the real question. Who's going to die? Because James Gunn is (laughs) killing somebody. He's killing somebody. Oh, don't make my brain go there. (laughs) Who got to go? You have to pick. Who's going? Oh, I mean, oh, God, I don't know. Who would you want? Uh, Well, you can't do Groot again, so I don't know. That's like an easy way out, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You can't do Groot again. I'm I'm still bitter at Endgame for for Star-Lord, so I kind of want him to to have to pay up. Because all you had to do, man, was chill out, man. Yeah, all you had to do is chill out, and then Thanos would have lost his glove, and then nobody gets snapped. But no, 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 you had to get caught up in your feelings. So hey, yeah. feelings are real. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, in the chat at Guardians of the Galaxy, if somebody has to die, who's got to go? I forgot Gamora's already gone too. So, ooh, I would have said Gamora, but opinions. yeah, she's not a yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's some fan theory because you know the other version of Gore Gamora is still around, and so we're, we're going to see her in the mm. in this third rendition. Maybe, maybe, maybe she sacrificed herself to bring back the old Gamora. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Christian says, "Our uh, rocket, hands down." Ooh. He's too cute. <gasps> he's got a foul mouth and he steals. But <laughs> that's that's here's the thing: is that's what would make it hurt more, right? Right. He's too cute to die, so let's kill him off. Uh, yeah. It depends on how cruel they want to be. It depends on how cruel they want to be. Uh, yo, Defunct says, uh, Batista said he's done. I think, mm, yeah, that is oh. very true. I think I read Bradley Cooper said he's done as well, and Pratt's star is falling. Uh, yeah, Batista said that uh, one of the reasons, this is kind of interesting, too, because we, we were talking about objectifying strong big men. Um, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny to me. It's funny to me. It's funny to me. No, no. So, so Batista, who has a legendary body, at least when he was in his prime, said one of the main reasons why he was kind of like done playing Drax is that in order to maintain that type of size and shape, especially at the age that he is, is very extremely difficult to do. The Rock is an anomaly. That's 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 just how dope the Rock is. He's an anomaly to, to look like that at that age. Um, so I mean, do we do we feel bad considering? I'm gonna ask you a kind of little, little personal question. Do we feel bad considering that he's complaining about maintaining that look when we don't? When we are so critical about the look that women have, and especially uh, about the aging of women and their star power diminishing as a result of it, do we feel bad for Batista? I I. I personally do feel bad, you know, and I, and I get where he's coming from. And, you know, I I vaguely remember seeing a headline about him saying like, I don't want to act with my shirt off anymore kind of thing. And I get it, you know, but I kind of feel like we, as an, as an entertainment industry have to do better about 
being getting breaking away from the whole like ageism thing because this is all part of it right as Mm -hmm. you get older you're less you're less attractive for certain roles and you don't necessarily have to be it's just that's just how you treat other people and you don't have to treat people that way you don't have to prioritize that in the hollywood sort of spotlight you know what i mean so i kind of feel like watching maybe watching these people age over time gracefully because they do still age Mm -hmm. amazingly gracefully Mm -hmm. should be normalized like you shouldn't have to expect like poor dave bautista to like have pecs of steel until he's like 60 years old or whatever i don't know how old he is now but like it shouldn't be an expectation because it shouldn't be an expectation on women like plastic surgery you know implants like all that garbage like we have to change the, the our narrative about aging in Hollywood and aging in entertainment. Mm, well Struck a nerve. Struck a nerve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh big huge shout out to the to the chat as well. Yo, Defunky said uh I think as long as he's not holding a double standard with women, then it's fine. So okay, that's there. Fair enough. Uh Geekish Network, the voice of this guy says, as much as I don't want my fellow my Filipinos to have to go, uh, I bet his character is gone. Um, yeah, that plays real as well. Uh, and uh, let's hop over to like one more, one more interesting topic that I am okay. looking forward to hearing your opinion. Huh? So, uh, I um, I lived in Tennessee for a very long time, a little, little small town called Clarksville in Tennessee. Tennessee uh, is a very unique state into itself. It is in the South, and with the South comes um, <laughs> some 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 cultural um miss missteps from time to time i'll just say that i don't, I don't want to just completely <laughs> dog out my state but yeah they they, they, they have a lot of they this up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tennessee school board who is notorious for making the wrong call has not disappointed yet again they have removed the holocaust graphic novel mouse from its curriculum uh this uh mouse i'm not as familiar with mouse as you are so i'm gonna go ahead and pass the mic to a much wiser person regarding the subject matter. How are we feeling about this? I, I like the term wiser. I'm okay with that. Um, I think that, uh, just to give you a little bit of background, Mouse is this two-part graphic novel that was written like in the 80s. And it's um, been a resource for a lot of, of schools to help supplement teaching about the Holocaust. Um, and that is a really, really important topic to cover because it was such a horrific time in history, right? Um, and it's essentially the story, somebody's story of, you know, the experience during the Holocaust told in the form of mice and cats. So mm-hmm. you think about the Jews and the Nazis, mice and cats, and that's essentially it. And that is that is pretty much the only substitution because everything that happens in the story is very much like raw and real to the writer because i think it's i think it's like somewhat autobiographical um the writer writer is um already spiegelman and he essentially you know (laughs) put together the story um just about some really really raw experiences that like also help shed the light on exactly what the holocaust was like to live through and Mm. um a lot of teachers have been able to use it historically to help with supporting supporting like just how to teach about the holocaust it's a graphic novel um it makes it a little bit more relatable for like a younger audience but it's still really raw in content Mm -hmm. that you know you don't 
you're not like wrapping the Holocaust in like bubble wrap and making it this fluffy story. It's it's real, yeah. right? And so right. for for the school board to come in, so the school board came in and essentially said, yeah, we don't we don't want to share all this dark history with these middle school kids. Um, we just want to keep things, you know, we just we just want to stay away from all this dark content. We don't like that they use the word bitch. Uh, <laughs> like literally, that was one of the points was there was this swearing in the book, you know, mm-hmm. specifically the word bitch. There was a specific scene about, um, you know, the character's mom who ends up committing suicide. I'm not spoiling. It'll be fine. You can read it. Um, and they they were just trying to come up with all these excuses about why they felt this is not appropriate content for our little our middle school students and essentially they didn't like the swastika that's on the front cover um <laughs> didn't didn't want, want to use the word bitch uh, i want to say he says like god damn it or something in there at some point and didn't like that um and it was just it's such a horrible way to like look at this especially when this decision kind of ke- I, I think this article kind of rolled out yesterday like mainstream and it happened to be holocaust remembrance day (laughs) Mm. um like it's Mm. just wrong wrong in so many ways right Mm. like like you don't need to fluff up history you need to teach real history and all you're doing by taking these experiences away is allowing the opportunity for these kids to repeat history and that Mm -hmm. is such a horrible thing to kind of look forward to for tennessee you know like it's just you're you're making up history essentially is what you're doing by taking stuff like this away no that's exactly what you're doing um there's there's certainly no need need to sugarcoat it uh critical race theory is a a very hot topic that's been going on um Mm -hmm. in a lot of a lot of states within the south are uh it feels like fahrenheit right you know they're just taking a bunch of books and throwing them to the fire and pretending like they don't exist and teaching a narrative of softening the reality of of the history of 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 America and in the world in general, um, yeah. trying to put certain groups of people in a positive light, even though atrocities did happen on their watch. And a lot of people's uh, parents, grandparents, great great grandparents participated in these events, and they want to pretend like that didn't happen. So, um, yeah. according to according to the link that this is coming from, it is stating that uh, it is. Uh, Mouse is the only graphic novel to ever win a Pulitzer Prize, and academics have used it to teach history, psychology, and more. As CNN reports, the 10-member board voted in Tennessee unanimously to remove Mouse from its eighth-grade literacy curriculum because of its objectionable language and nudity back on June 10th, despite arguments from instructional supervisors, which is funny because we read a lot of Mark Twain and the N-word is dropped <laughs> casually and nobody seemed to bat an eye. But right. that's just me. So according to the minutes at the, <laughs> at the meeting board, uh, Tony Almond said, uh, we don't need to enable or somewhat promote this stuff. It shows people hanging. It shows them killing kids. Why does the educational system promote this kind of stuff? It's not wise or healthy. Um, it's just very disappointing that this trend is continuing. Um, is it considered promoting? I mean, like you're not you're not running a commercial. You're just telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. For one, history is messy. Period. It's just it's just what it's just the nature of it, and to sugarcoat it and pretend like things aren't what they are is silly. And then destroying the narrative, regardless if whoever whatever character is played by cats or mice. Mm-hmm. Uh, is just a way of running 
from from the truths of the situations. I think it's yeah. definitely it's definitely along the lines of what you said earlier, Santella, about like the critical race theory pushback, mm-hmm. right? Is they're mm-hmm. trying to sanitize other things that people are, are learning and it's just it's pretty interesting because you know, I was following it very closely on Twitter, which I do, and a lot of uh the Twitter conversation around it was basically saying a lot of things like, hey, you know, like what you said, like they're they're worried about nudity and, and a few bad words here and there. Nudity and it's of like, mice. Yeah. Nudity of mice. Nudity of mice. Okay? But it's not even people. It's not even people, right? Exactly. And then on top of that, you have people that are like, hey, you know what? They don't care about school shootings, but they care about this, right? So you have like the same the same at the same time they're banning this book. They're also having school shooter you know drills right? you know yeah. and it's like instead of like it's it's very much very much and I, i've always found this too it's like it's very much uh trying to solve uh symptoms and not the the ills or the cures right like trying to cure mm-hmm. symptoms and not the disease right they're right. trying to sort of trying to politicize things and then just keep things keep the attention and the real focus away from things that really do need to be fixed Right. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty ironic that it happened on, you know, the Holocaust Remembrance Day as well. Right. It's, and you know, the thing about like this whole situation, if you think about it is, you know, you go in there and you look at the whole thing and you're like, God, the system is freaking broken, but it's not, the system is not broken because the system was designed this way. And so it's, it's like you talk about the root of the problem. The root of the problem is, is whoever drew the blueprints to this thing is like skewed, right? So it's such a, like, it's so much deeper and there's so much work, more work that has to be done than just like, you know, on the surface, like, yeah, I disagree with this. Like people need to do something about it rather than just sit by and shake their heads or, you know, I mean, like yeah. I credit to the teachers for trying to fight for it. And I'm just like so furious for them. And I'm I'm so glad they were willing to like put themselves out there to say something back to the board. Right. Boards are scary to talk to and approach. And, you know, for something this important, like they really needed to put their voices out there. And it's just really frustrating that they did not win that fight. And, it, and on, on one hand, like you said, it uh, it is bringing into light, you know, highlighting some issues that are definitely systemic right but yeah. one of the good things that are definitely understatement good, right yeah very but like, <laughs> what's good about that as well is there's a lot of people i mean i again i've been following a lot of people i follow on twitter they were saying you know there was a tweet it says it's uh you know i'll put it in chat but basically there was a bunch of people that were saying hey as i've offered before other band comics i'll donate up to 100 copies of the complete mouse to any family in the minimum uh, county area in Tennessee, just DM me an address. And then a bunch of other people like Gary Witta, Witta, who is, who is, I, who I do follow. He's the writer of Rogue One and, and of uh, Book of Eli. He says, I will match this. DMs are temporarily ah. open. Send me your McMinnon County mailing address. I'm going to have this copy of the complete mouse shipped to you. Trolls equals blog. Please retweet. Right. So there's a lot of people that. that are coming out and saying, and then on the other hand, it's like, yeah, as soon as you say it's banned, of course, now the kids are going to be like, oh, you know what? I need to go get this. I hope right? so. I hope right? so. So it's like, it's, it's very counterintuitive to what they're trying to do. And we know what it is because it's so transparent. But at the same time, it's like, you know, 
this is really going to shoot yourself in the foot, right? And yeah. it's really going to backfire on you. And it already is. And it's only been like two days and it's totally going to, you know, back, you know. So if there's anything to be said about it is yes, you know, systemic, it is highlighting some of the major, but like somebody said in the chat is, you know, this, this is the authoritarian, authoritarianism, right? That's reeling is nationalism. That's reeling its head throughout our society and throughout the world. And, but then there are other people rising up against it, right? Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're still good. And it's like, there's still people who are like, okay, you know what? This is bullshit. We're going to keep continue to fight for these things because this needs to be told. This story needs to be told. This is a great way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, is a classic. It's, you know, and, it, and it's like your, your objections to the source material, um, are just bullshit, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's just like absolutely bullshit. Truly. And you totally, everybody just sees right through what it really is. Naked mice. Yeah. That's that's all there. Yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, is like <laughs> my. I guess my hope is that like the momentum of the mm-hmm. sort of quote unquote uprising continues because mm-hmm. there's so many of these things that come up time and time again, right? There's just so much oppression out there to fight. People get exhausted <laughs> after a while. Like, it's like, where do you start? I mean, obviously, you know, being persons of color, I feel like we each know our own experiences of what that feels like. And, you know, it it may be very different for you than it has been for me. Uh, It still sucks. Um, But you get exhausted fighting that battle after a while. You know, you get you get tired of people asking you, where are you really from? (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) It's. So I'm hoping that the momentum continues and I'm hoping that all these people who are choosing to donate these books continue to do push it like to push the envelope on that type of stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's it's funny, man. Well, especially when you talk about like naked mice. I'm like, Bugs Bunny been naked for almost 80 years. <laughs> Don- Donald Duck hasn't worn pants ever. So now all of a sudden it's it's, and it's he a shakes problem. His tail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like let's we, we 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 know what the problem really is. It's you're, you're, yeah. you're not fooling anybody. No. Um. Uh. Well, respectful, you're my man in the sky. We we have done our hour in. I would absolutely love to keep going, but I just want to be respectful to our guests and respectful to to our fans as well. We can keep the ball rolling, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> All night. Well, wow. I could bring out my dice. We could do some DNA now. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. Oh, well, well. While the voice in the sky tries to figure out what's what's, what's going on, I do have one more additional stream. I, I feel like um, I'm saying goodbye to an old friend, um, and that is Sega. So Sega is leaving. Oh. Sega is leaving the Japanese arcade business for good, and, I, and I'm saying goodbye to an old friend just in terms of just the arcade experience. Um, I grew up in an arcade, like literally after school. I'm I'm that dude that had quarters on Street Fighter, uh, waiting, waiting, waiting for my turn. And Sega, on top of just them having a positive influence in in my early development with arcade games, had made one of the, arguably one of the greatest game systems outside of Nintendo, and that is uh, the Genesis. And went out on a high note with the Dreamcast. <laughs> uh, Sega seems to know when to cut bait and run. Um. Is this another example of that, or should we kind of like pay for the nostalgia that I currently can't let go of? <laughs> go buy an arcade machine for your house. Like, that's what people are doing with arcade machines these days. They're not going to an arcade to play, right? That's the problem. Although, I do have to tell you, I have to tell you okay. that like the Pod Racer at Dave and Buster's, 
was like the awesomest thing ever. <laughs> Not because I like driving games, but just like sitting in that thing was cool. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, kids are not going to go play those. Like they're doing Fortnite at home, right? That's that's kind of the new trend. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then uh, too, the, the pandemic really. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's like I think I don't want to climb into a pod racer. Yeah. Right. I think with anything, no, it's like <laughs> you know the pandemic is definitely affecting and killing literally you know different things, but um, you know yeah. industries as well, right? And it's right. just like being so. But uh, I mean, the fact that they're they're leaving, they they understand that it's like, yeah, it's just not a profitable business for them anymore. But I'm sure they're gonna be still gonna be making stuff, but just not for arcades, right? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the uh, the argument regarding the oh, the some say the inevitable death of the movie theater experience, um, and some people are saying, well, you can still watch your movies. Uh, on HBO Max or Netflix or some of the other platforms, but there is something to be said about the movie theater experience. There's something to be said about the arcade experience, even though they are, that arcade experience has been dead for like 20 years, but it's still something about being around a group of your peers, all focused on one thing that you all love, sharing that energy. Or, or am I being just a little too, a little too hippie-ish in this, in this moment? I can see where you're coming from for sure, but like you got to look at what's actually out there right now. Like what, okay. what are those businesses that are actually supporting arcade Very true. coin ops or whatever it is that you use to pay like the little cards, right? Like um, <laughs> there's not very many, there's not very many anymore. Right. Like I feel like for us in the Bay area, when I was growing up, we had nickel cities everywhere, literally mm. a nickel for a game. Right. Um, wow. And those closed, those, those all closed down. We don't have that. Dave and Buster's is like the one thing and it's mostly ticketed games, a few little, you know, Mario Kart there, but I can play Mario Kart at home and not catch COVID. So <laughs> I don't know. I can yell at my husband while we're racing at home as he throw his blue, throws his blue shell at me and like not do it in public. So I don't know. But do you feel either one of you uh, feel that there's like a death of the culture a little bit? It feels it feels like a loss. Like it's, yeah, like I said, I'm, so. I'm, I'm really I'm really I'm really nostalgic right now. Yeah, I was gonna say I spent um, hours. Yeah, hours. yeah. It's to tell. I was gonna say I was gonna add. You know, I remember literally. Okay, I think we're gonna age ourselves here, right? But I remember <laughs> you do that. Yeah, you do that. Getting getting on my bike, <laughs> getting on my getting on my bike with my friend and with a with a, a, a pocket full of quarters and then going to the local liquor store and play gauntlet not even star <laughs> not even street fighter but gauntlet right yeah. elf, elf is about to die right <laughs> you know the warrior needs food badly right <laughs> So, like, from that standpoint, yeah, for sure. But, like, you know, there's a there's a point where, like, yeah, I just, I didn't do that anymore. And then I think the last time I actually did any sort of arcade experience, which is actually a VR arcade, uh, we went to a VR arcade. It was uh, here locally in, in um, Long Beach, Delamama Mall. So, for the L.A. area, people know. 
and they had a uh, VR arcade there, and uh, we went there for my uh, my birthday and my two nephews' birthdays, and we were able to play some VR games together, and that was like a blast. That was an absolute blast, but it was expensive because you had to pay for like time. You didn't pay for you know just a game. Mm-hmm. You had to pay for time, so you had to play. And it was man, it was so much fun. And I wish things were like that again. And I know pre. Uh, panorama a lot of uh, there were a lot of like nickel <laughs> arcades penny arcades that were popping up all throughout LA area and they were getting really really popular because people were like holy shit this is a lot of fun going out drinking and going to these old playing all these old arcade games but yeah again you know I'll do that from home and not catch you know, and not catch a deadly, you know, deadly disease. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but so it, I, I am, it, and hopefully here's what my hope is. Cause obviously too, like I, because I love the VR aspect of it, there's some really, really cool stuff. Like the void was one and they definitely struggled as well. Or where the void, if you're not familiar with the void and I'm sure Devonk knows, but the void was basically, a VR experience, but they had it in such a way that you walked through a, a, a basically a, uh, a walkway. They created the walkway and the VR uh, environment to sort of match where you were walking. And so they had a really cool experience, like a Star Wars experience. And they had... They had tie-ins and they had a bunch of places and they and I really wanted to check it out because I had heard about so much about it and they just opened one up at like the Disney Disneyland at the um, downtown Disney and they had a whole Vader it was like a little Star Wars experience where like four of you wear these VR backpacks you walk through mm-hmm. and you're basically like stormtroopers and you go through this uh, through this adventure and I think it's like 15 minutes long but it's just from whatever read it was like so amazing. And but obviously because of the the panorama, we I never got to do it, and so I like that he calls it the panorama. Yeah, this is what we do. We don't really say the uh, p word right as much as we can. And then, um, yeah, we really, really wish. I really, really wish those things come back. And I think, and this is my hope, because in general, I think these things will rebound as things become. We get out of what we're in. Right. Yeah. I think that's the hope is like that we can get um, these new experiences, all these other community, community and communal experiences will fully make a recovery. So we when things come back, we can enjoy these things, too, as a community. Right? Yeah. Because it's just, yeah, you're right. Until it's like, there's nothing like we talked about, uh, about the charity streams, right? It's like, yeah, we have all these games, but man, if you play the game by yourself, it's one thing, but if you can play a game with a bunch of your friends, that's a whole other thing. So just to give you an idea, we've had some charity streams the last few weekends where Halo Infinite is out. And again, to anybody out there, if they wants to play Halo Infinite with us, hit us up because we'll play. Uh, we basically grabbed a bunch of people. It's a free to play. And we said, hey, we're doing this charity stream. We want to play Halo Infinite. Come join us. So we had like 12, you know, about 12 people. We I think yeah. we were going we to like push for like 28 because it allows for 28 players. And we were like 
we were having so much fun. We're like, I had yes. it scheduled for like only two hours and it was like four hours into the stream. Awesome. Like, yeah, I guess awesome. like, and it didn't even feel like four hours. It was like, because we were having so much fun and it was like, everybody was all over. Some people were in Washington, so like Trey's and, and the Midwest. And it's like, you know, <laughs> Uh, we're over here in LA and it was just like all these people that basically didn't even really know each other and we're all just having a great time playing together. So to get that back and get that into in person, but then, you know, it is definitely, I hope that's definitely comes back and it's just a matter. I think it's just a matter of time. And I think also what's going to happen is because people have some so starved for it. It's going to a boom. I think it's going to boom when it comes back, when things are fully open to where they should be. But anyways. So, so it's more along the lines of like putting together that community and bonding with that community of people versus like playing the nostalgic games per se. Right. Like, cause like if you're talking about, I, I appreciate the nostalgia of like, you know, going to the arcades and stuff. It's, are you it's it nostalgia over the actual games or is it nostalgia over just the idea of going with other people that is a very very good point and i and here's a perfect example of that is that i played like halo 2 halo 2 is one of my all-time favorite games in my head and it's because <laughs> and it's because of me playing couch co-op with a friend you know ordering e eating pizza rolls uh <laughs> staying up you know just absolutely high fives and and enjoying it and and just full on having a complete experience and i played it again i played it again this is like 10 15 years after the fact or whatever it is and i couldn't capture the magic i couldn't mm. i remember some of the mo some of the poignant moments that happened and i was like i feel like there's something missing and it's the shared experience is yeah. is, is what's okay. it, it's what's missing and it's not just the shared experience it's shared experience through proximity. That's another big part of it. I understand what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so and I, and I, go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say, like, the Halo experience, I totally, I want to get on board and, and share my story to kind of date myself, too. Because <laughs> I remember doing, specifically doing a charity fundraiser, playing Halo, connecting 16 people with their tubes in an apartment, um, playing on a screen this big, <laughs> trying to snipe someone, and it was so freaking annoying but fun at the same time. And it was just because right. there were 16 people in an apartment yelling at each other and saying things <laughs> like, stop looking at my screen! <laughs> big facts! Oh, man, I had golden eye moments for a hot second. You're looking at my screen! <laughs> I see you with your rocket launcher! <laughs> That was Yo, awesome. yes. a rocket launcher. Yeah, but, but like just remembering things like that where you were yelling at each other and you wanted to throw you wanted that to throw is a pizza slice. So like, that was real. So Stop yeah. looking at my screen. And you like turn. Well, I mean definitely like, yeah, they have little they have little squares, right? So you can like look. But like even with like the PCs, when we have lands, we tur like turn turn our uh turn our monitors away. <laughs> to, like at an angle. <laughs> turn our monitors at an angle so nobody else can see. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, you're looking, you're looking. I know, I saw you. Oh my god, that it's like, yeah, that, that so for I real. Like, I feel like that is lost in sort of the online gaming, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. 
But I get the whole community aspect, and that totally reminded me and triggered me about how fun that was, how infuriating but fun that actually was. So I totally get it. <laughs> it's um, it's also one of the reasons why I think D and D is is really buzzing, as as well as it is too, because that shared experience with your peers and 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 in a shared del- collective delusion. You're, you're 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 collectively delusional together and it's amazing and it forces you to have to interact it forces you to have to use your imagination it forces you to have to use teamwork in a way that some regular video games just can't do the same way and with the advent of of having video chat such as zoom and all google meets and all these other different places you can still have a pretty decent connection the proximity is gone but it's a good enough substitute when you can see somebody's face while you're gaming and read and see their emotion and see the reaction off of the choices that you've made. Yeah. Those those moments are was are was so golden to me in Dungeons and Dragons because yeah. a part of you you can't really say nothing. You're like you chose to do that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we should be running. What are you What are you doing? But you gotta no, roll with it. No, yeah. <laughs> you know, you just got to roll with it because that's your team and that's your squad and you're all in and you're looking these people, looking these people in their face. And I think in a time of pandemic, when there were so many people separated and going through real anxiety to connect with somebody, here comes a game from the early 70s, late 60s, yeah. I think it was made. Something as basic as that coming back and just exploding on the scene because we are emotional connected human beings and we have to have that. So I I totally get why it blows up and I get, and maybe you maybe can understand why I miss the theater experience and I miss uh, going to, to arcades because that whole thing of going through it with somebody and competing and and proximity is is something we need as human beings. And we'll we'll get back there. We'll definitely get back there. We'll definitely get back there. I'm off my soapbox. That wasn't the wine. I'm uh, okay. So there we go. It was was brilliant. (laughs) I, I, I applaud and approve. (laughs) We'll definitely get back there. Yeah. Hey, uh, you, you want me, I can, we can still bang out a couple more. I got, I got one more that I'm a little bit interested in only because I want to piss the funk off because I love <laughs> making him happily angry, happily angry. Uh-oh. And, and Defunk, in, in case you, you don't know, Defunk is one of the curators of our news. He's an amazing and a super important team member of, of, of Geek Beast. And uh, one of the things that absolutely ruffles his feathers is when you start talking about NFTs, <laughs> uh, non-fungible tokens. Like, if you want to see somebody go postal real quick, talk about non-fungible tokens in front of the defunct. So, Riot, <laughs> Riot was forced to explain a Valorant character is not into NFTs. So that's just a head on. Let's dig a little deeper. So, as Polygon reports, Valorant's social media team recently posted an image of one of the game's characters, Killjoy, visiting a local museum in Berlin where she was taking in the work of Martin Hora, an artist whose work is sold as an NFT. So from the gist of it, just their character looking at a picture of an NFT pissed the internet off. Um, People have been having a lot of pushback regarding NFTs and gaming. Uh, A lot of people think it's a hustle, it's a pyramid scheme. Um, Is this, uh, you know, a, a reasonable outrage by the internets regarding Riot's character looking at an artist that supports NFTs. 
People will get find any excuse to get pissed off at anything. I'm just putting it out. There. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. But whatever. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> I, I guess I look at it as he's an artist. He's an artist. You appreciate his work regardless of how he chooses to monetize it or or distribute it, right? Who cares? Right. You're keeping yeah. up with the times because NFT is the in thing now. Who knows if that's what it's going to be in a year, right? Like it could be a mm-hmm. fad. Who knows? Um, yeah. you know, hey, you remember HDTV and Blu-ray? There was that battle. Something lost. Yeah, so, that's true. Anyway, NFTs, <laughs> NFTs could be the Blu-ray. next. Yes. Yeah, we never know. <laughs> so on the one hand, who the hell cares if, he, if this character is appreciating the art? Appreciate the art and the artist. Leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other hand, if they're looking to like use that as a sort of a hint to you know, drop additional monetization, then mm-hmm. if, they, if they can cleverly work that into the game, then more power to them. I don't know. It it feels to me like they put their hand in the cookie jar and Twitter sure. saw them. And they was like, are you you for real? You gonna really do this NFT thing to us? And now they're backpedaling and they're like, nah, nah, I was trying to, you know, I thought this was something else. I didn't know it was really cookies in there. Um, <laughs> the company has said, uh, since Killjoy loves programming, we wanted to introduce you to computer-generated art from around the world. It's a really good excuse. However, yes. we are not aware that the selected work was an NFT. In no way did we intend to include NFTs as part of Killjoy's work and hobbies. Um, yo, appreciation of art. Quick. <laughs> but like I said, it was an appreciation of art, you know? And that's okay. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you a question that's a little, little bit relative to this. Um, one of the most popular platforms is um, a Fortnite, right? And Fortnite has found a way to reinvent itself through their own platform by giving different forms of medium a chance to be shown. They've had concerts, uh, they had a, a memorial to the March on Washington, uh, and now they are coming in with an art gallery. Um, should art be seen through your non-4K screen? I think if that if that's how you're able to consume it why not Mm -hmm. and if you have a problem as an artist with your content being viewed in non-4k then restrict it for yourself i don't know like i i as an artist i guess i would feel like i would want my art seen as as much as possible (laughs) um unless non-4k is so diminishing to your piece that you you know it doesn't translate, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. Give me an example of what that problem would be, right? Like, I don't know. I, I feel like exposure is exposure. Right. Okay. Well, well, 4K is a little important only in terms of you're paying for uh, a top-notch experience. Okay. Perfect example. Uh, did you know the Super Bowl is not being shown in 4K? Ooh. Arguably, one of the world's largest sporting events. The station that's, I don't, I don't know if it's ABC, CBS, or NBC, one of those three, has decided to not um, uh, show, their, show their, uh, their, their game on a format that everybody has paid top-notch money mm-hmm. in order to get the best experience. Now, I, I am definitely a sports snob. I want my Super Bowl in 4K. <laughs> I know that there are snobby people that want their art seen in the purest light as well. To me, them not showing the Super Bowl in 4K is a disservice, and I'm angry. Fair enough. Fair enough. So somebody has spent hours of their time meticulously creating these works of art 
and for it to not to be seen in its purest form seems like a slap in the face to me. I can see that, but is there an option to restrict it so you only get your art seen in 4K? I would like that. I think that would be great, but I don't even have an option to see the Super okay. Bowl in 4K. They're like, no, you're not going to see it. You have to watch it in 1080. How dare you disrespect my TV with 1080p? Send me your address and I will send you a football. <laughs> it will be even better than 4K. <laughs> I totally get where you're coming from and I don't disagree with that. I kind of feel like it's a little bit of a different thing, right? Like the Super Bowl is way more mainstream than somebody's piece of art that they probably can control where it, get, where it gets exhibited. Very true. Very true. Yo, I have had such an incredible time with you. Uh, please, you, you, you have to come back to the neighborhood. Come back to our Sesame Aww. Street of geekdom. Um, <laughs> yo, the absolute, completely legendary show. And for everybody that has uh, joined in, uh, thank you so much, Evelyn. This is going to conclude our new segment of the show today. Thank you for tuning Yay. in. Thank Huge, you. gigantic. Yes, yes. Y'all did fun. Legendary show, by the way. Um, <laughs> a huge shout out to uh, Digital Click, who has provided all of this amazing <gasps> digital beauty that has encased us. And I always quote Deion Sanders on this because I just love this quote. He said, when I look good, I play good. When I play good, I make money. Listen, when we look good, we give you a good stream and we give and when we give you a good stream, you come back and tell other people about it. That's what Digital Click provides. And that's why you should uh, give them a ring, give them a click, sign up and get all of the work that they provide. Uh, Geek Peace is also now in podcast form as well. Uh, you miss our live streams, don't worry. You can listen to us on the following day on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a review. Listen, if you're not walking in podcasting or at least sitting in traffic in podcasting, I need you to catch up. <laughs> that's, that's how it really goes down. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you happen to be watching this on YouTube. Make sure you click that thumbs up because that is how the algorithm lets us know that you're digging what we're giving you. All right. If you haven't subscribed, what are you doing? Hit the subscription button right now. I'm talking to you. Hit that is subscription it here? button. Is it here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm helping. I'm helping. If you're watching this on uh, restream, of course, hit us at hit us up at forward slash geekish network on YouTube. Like us on Facebook. And that is forward slash the Geekish Network as well. And on our Twitch, it's still live. It's still live. We haven't absolutely abandoned it, but we're just repurposing it. And we'll be doing game streams, charity streams, cooking streams, and a host of other different things. You know, some of our charity streams have been legendary. I, I absolutely recommend that you pop in because, you know, you need to do, do headshots for humanity, headshots for a good cause. And if you have an Amazon Prime, uh, you can link your account and sub to us using Prime Gaming. It costs you nothing, but it helps us out tremendously. Yo, I know I just gave you a lot to do, but the easiest thing you can do right now is just click that subscription button. Yo, thanks to the voice in the sky. Yo, yo Rodney, you are legendary, man. You, you, you always make us look good and you always keep us in a positive life. Yo, Chuck, I miss you. Our other co-producer, he should be back hopefully in another week or so. We No, for real, dude, I miss you, man. Come back. Um, and, uh, yo, next, uh, big show is going to be Monday. That's going to be pod squadron. Uh, check some of our feeds for the time. I think, uh, ready. Can you give me a time on that for pod squadron? Okay. So, yeah. So we had to switch it. We, uh, due to popular demand, because we have right. a lot of, uh, East coast, uh, followers, pod squadron is going to be on six 30 to seven 30 on Mondays now, instead of eight. So we not only moved from Saturdays to Mondays, but now we're Monday 
Mondays at the time as well. So 6.30 to 7.30, and then Geek Beats will happen right after. So you still get uh, you still get the same content, just sort of flipped <laughs> over a little bit. But yeah, so we wanted to, for Francis, like Paul here in chat, he was one of our East Coasters, and we want to like basically be able to, um, you know, have them part of the conversation about, you know, uh, you know, Mandalorian episode 3.1, right? Um, which is a Book of Boba Fett episode five, <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna definitely have a we can definitely have a lot to talk about um, on Monday about that. So definitely join join us and uh, yeah, uh, please tell your friends, share the word that we definitely have moved and uh, we're we're definitely starting to build up over here. We got a little good, really got a good good momentum going. We got some really really good momentum and we we got some really really cool shit planned. Um, really really cool stuff planned and we're all sort of getting in a better place like individually and as a network so we're just gonna try to keep hitting it as hard as we can and geek out as much as we possibly can with all of y'all so please join us Hey man, you heard boss man, so go ahead and take us out of here. Yo, Evelyn, oh hold on before before we roll yeah. out. Evelyn, just 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 give one, one more quick shout out to, to some of your socials so they can hit you up. Hopefully we'll we will have that in the description as well. So yeah. So you. you want to check out my work, go to EvelynHuin.ninja. That is my website. Um, and you can find me on social on Instagram, Twitter at at Sleepy Eve. So feel free to hit me up. Hey, you heard it there. Yo, boss man, yo, take us out of here, fam. <laughs> Thank you all and you have a great night. <laughs>